Welcome back to the Alts Podcast. I'm your host, Horatio Ruiz. We bring you industry leaders and creators to give their insights on the rapidly changing and exciting world of alternative assets. Opinions expressed on this podcast by the host and podcast guests are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Podcast hosts and guests may maintain positions in the offerings discussed in this podcast. Thank you for joining the podcast. Today's episode features Latan Yahav, the founder and CEO of Visor, a startup that helps investors organize their assets and give them some insights on their alternative investments. Latan sold a previous startup and with extra cash reserves on hand, he found himself struggling to keep up with his investments. Out of his desire to construct his own portfolio and to manage his cash flow, he created Visor. He had a hunch that other individuals like him faced the same problem. In this episode, we talk about alternative assets, how Visor helps investors organize their portfolio, and the unique way that Visor uses community to provide insights to its users. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Letan. All right, guys. So uh, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. We have a great uh, guest today. We got CEO Letan Yehav from uh, Visor. Welcome on the podcast. Thanks, man. Really great to be here. I love what you guys are doing. Really appreciate it, uh, Litan. Um, you know, we're talking a little bit before we got on just a, just a little bit, but, you know, I kind of want to know a little bit more about you, about, uh, you know, how you got to start Visor and what Visor is all about. But I think uh, the most important thing is, you know, you described yourself as sort of like this alternative space uh, founder. And I want to know if you could kind of talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So first, let's, let's start from the end. So I'm 40 years old and married. I have three kids. I was born in the States, but moved to Israel when I was nine. So that's like a uh, I'd say a different in like the startup scenery, I guess, especially in the US. I was in the Navy for six years, no tech background, no cybersecurity background or anything like that. Never developed a piece of code or learned to develop anything. But after six years of serving, so I went to school and studied law and business, not the sort of direct approach to, to building a startup. But in my last year of studies, I was part of this amazing program called the Sam Zell Entrepreneurship Program. So it's funded by Sam Zell in the U.S., but he has like three or four of these programs around the world that he funds. And it's supposed to sort of kickstart entrepreneurship and leadership in these various sort of different industries around the world. So I was lucky to be part of that program back in 2011 and founded a startup back then, what was like in a very weird industry that we just stumbled upon looking for an idea to build a problem to solve in the diamond industry. And so like we... We saw this very old-fashioned industry, the way things are traded, mainly B2B, but between diamond dealers, just like shipping diamonds around the world, flying with them in suitcases, just like didn't make any sense at all. We said, wait, why don't we bring tech here and help people trade diamonds without physically shipping them just based on like really high-resolution 3D images of these diamonds? And, you know, we, we didn't have a background in tech or in diamonds, but we said, yeah, I mean, how hard could it be? It was hard, but we were really lucky and we managed to create a, an amazing product that then created a standard for diamond imagery. So like we we became the standard for photographing and displaying diamonds online and sold the company back in 2015 to a big e-commerce website in the US, stayed on for a few more years, but then sort of ended up managing our own money, investing a lot of real estate, private equity, some other alternative stuff like startups and crypto, and then found our own issues managing money and decided to build a whole new startup out of that. So like that's, that's what Visor is all about. So it's a unique story in the sense where like, we don't have this like amazing technological background that we wanted to implement something that we know to solve a very specific or to look for a problem to solve, but rather looking for problems that were worth solving that we thought we can solve because we were naive enough. And anyway, so that's like my quick, quick background about what brought us to what we're building today. 
Yeah, you you write about that in in your uh, website. You talk about like how you're able to sell your first company, and you described it as life changing money, right? It was it's not something that sets you for life, is what you what you wrote necessarily, but it was you know life changing. Take me through that. Like how difficult or complicated was it to once you come upon a certain amount of money, managing it and trying to keep track of it and really kind of figuring out what to do with it. Right. Let me start from the end and just say like these are good problems to have. All right. I can't complain, but sort of when we sold the company, we made money. We didn't make tens of millions of dollars, but we made enough. And at that point, there was a bunch of like PR around it. And we got approached by me and my co-founders by some like, you know, financial advisors, wealth managers, private bankers, multifamily offices, stuff like that saying, hey, I mean, we can we can help you manage this amount of money you just got. Come to us and we'll do this and this and this. And, you know, we just started to meet with these people. Even at one point, we sort of transferred our money to this private bank here in Israel. And like three months later, they kicked us out of the bank because we just took all of the money, all of the money from there and just invested it elsewhere. Because, you know, like these private banks, most of the time, they're incentivized sort of to convince you to use their own products. Like they'll have these, these mutual funds or these like investment vehicles that they want you to invest with. And then because because obviously they, they profit off of that as well. They're not all bad. I mean, it's like this one stop shop for people who do not want to deal at all with their money. That's cool. But for us, it's like, wait, I mean, we made some money. We want to grow it. Let's find ways to do that. And we found ways out of these institutions and just ended up allocating it on our own. And the cool thing in Israel is that every second person here does real estate abroad. We live in a unique financial system, whereas the equivalent to the US 401k or IRA or like the, the retirement savings is mandatory in Israel. So you don't have a choice. And so you, everyone here sort of fe- has that feeling that they're they're set for retirement. And then every excess cash they have is they look for for alternative ways to invest it. And so that's what we did. So every we know a guy who knows a guy and we just started to sort of meet with people and put some money here and some money there. And and, and, you know, like with potentially really nice returns and some with cash flow and some sort of like appreciation in the U.S., in Europe, some in Israel, you know, like after a year or two, it's like, wait, I don't even remember where I put my money. Like I said, these are good problems to have. But like, all right, so we built these crazy spreadsheets, me and my co-founder. And, you know, because we come from tech and because we always look at inefficiencies and how we can solve them with tech, it's like, wait, holy shit. Like we have this these crazy ass spreadsheets that we built that break all the time. We get these documents from all these investment products that we're investment in every quarter, every month. We have bank account transactions and multiple bank accounts. It's like, wait, why don't we just build something for ourselves to sort of automate that whole process? The process of that document gathering, of analyzing documents, of like tracking transactions and all that. And we just built ourselves a piece of product for that. And a bunch of friends wanted it as well. And we're like, wait, there might be a whole business here. Yeah. So that's sort of like the quick background of that. Just real quick, I mean, because uh, there's a common theme. I know I, I interviewed uh, on the last podcast a founder as well. He was like a stock trader for years in Chicago, and he had a you know he came upon a bunch of money, but he resisted that idea like you to have other people manage his money. He wanted to manage his own money, and I'm, I'm kind of wondering if you could talk about that. Like, I don't know if it's like a generational thing because he's sort of like in, his, in the same age range. He's about you know in his mid 40s. What it is about wanting to have not want to say the control, but having the flexibility to manage your own money, you know, um, which is, I think is maybe a little bit different than what the older generations have done in the past. I think it's, it's, it's sort of, when you look at the markets, 
I don't know if it's a matter of someone else managing my money because, you know, when I invest in these other real estate funds and, and syndications and I mean, someone else is managing my money in those specific funds. Right. But when someone is managing the strategy and not the tactical aspects of them. So, for example, if someone is holistically managing my money, but they're not the one that's managing the tactics of like, all right, this is sort of like the, the public market stuff and this is the real estate market stuff. But they're just looking at the overall like I don't need them to do that for me. I need really good people to do the tactical aspects of it, but not the overall. Now, I'm going to add on or like open whatever small anecdote about this, the specifics of public markets. For me, I don't believe, I mean, what do you mean? I don't believe, I'm not, I'm, I'm not like unique in believing this, right? Most people will never beat the market. You're safer just put money in an index fund for long-term as opposed to stock picking. So most people that obviously sort of like retail investors like myself, but also even traders, like professional traders, the vast majority of them will never beat the market. And I don't want to, I mean, I'm fine with making nine, 10% annualized return over the next 30 years on, on, on an index fund. So I don't need someone to do that for me, right? And, and so if it's the public markets, just put money there, maybe in a certain structure, which is, has tax advantages. Again, that's a different person that you talk with, right? Tax uh, advisor. And then sort of maybe even leverage that or whatever, but sort of I don't need someone to manage my money in the stock markets. I do need people that know real estate and I can trust that they're not going to screw me over or that they know private equity or really good operators. So that's sort of my approach to it, at least. Thought it was really interesting how it was you know in israel it's mandatory right like you're putting away money you know that's kind of mandatory that almost gives people you know citizens the the creativity then to find those alternative investments you know it's almost like it's ripe it's like they're, cre- they're creating that you know yeah we always joke about it that like you have fifty thousand dollars like of available cash you'll go and you'll you'll buy an apartment in berlin that you've never seen before because you know <laughs> a guy who invests in berlin you know the funny thing is like because it's such a common aspect to invest abroad uh, in israel like you know so many people that do it it's really easy to find those operators those syndicators those mm-hmm. people people that do that type of stuff there are also some good ones and, and not as good ones but like when when i started to talk with sort of people in the us specifically they don't know anyone in their circles that does what we do and so like it's really sort of you have to go and you have to find those points of reference or knowledge bases or or like you guys are doing with alts it's like i i, I need to go and actively look for ways to deploy money into these private markets because most of my social circles will no, have no clue what I'm doing or even more than that will think I'm stupid doing it. And, and so that was like mind blowing for us because, you know, when you, and we're like, wait, it, there's no chance that only Israelis invest in the U S right. There have to be Americans that invest in the U S as well. Right. That's why we decided to build Visor because the assumption is there are a lot of people like us, like millions of people like us in the U S and that need help like yeah. we do. Let's talk about, you know, the product that you built. You had mentioned it before. You built this uh, database, essentially, right, that could track your money. Your friends got interested in it uh, and they want to know, you know, more about it. They wanted to get included. How does Visor work? What stage is the company in right now? If someone's interested, are we talking about individuals, high net worth individuals? Uh, Are we talking about funds, companies? Who can use Visor at the moment? Bunch of great questions. All right. So let's start from the beginning. So we, we founded Visor after researching the like the hell out of the world for like six months back in 2020 
you know, COVID broke out and we just started to sort of think, all right, what, what's out there? What can we do? We build this for ourselves and then say, wait, a bunch of friends that want it, but all right, it's dangerous. Well, just because my friends like it as well, that means there's a, there's a potential business case here. And we just like took a moment, me and my co-founder to speak with just hundreds of people like us around the world, specifically in the U S and just like on Facebook and, and on these forums online and just friends of friends of friends and speaking with operators that do real estate in the U S and private equity in the U S and just like, just like getting on a phone call and zoom call with these people. And this was a good timing because everyone was on zoom calls at that point. So it was easy to, easier to get sort of on these calls. And then sort of we found that specifically in the, I mean, all over the world, but specifically in the U.S., there are millions of people like us. And what I mean like us, it's very hard to put sort of a net worth metric on it. There obviously is, because if you're not an accredited investor, chances are you won't have these complexities because you won't usually be aware of these types of investment vehicles and products. But even if you're an accredited investor, the U.S., the threshold to be an accredited investor is very low. So just to put things in context, not sure if everyone knows, but if you make $200,000 a year income or $300,000 as, as a household or you have a million dollars liquid, then you're considered an accredited investor in the U.S. And what that means is that you have access to financial products that people who are not accredited investors don't have. So, for example, you can invest in, in venture capital or in, in, in startups above a certain threshold. You can invest in real estate syndications, which are basically groups that pull in money from outside investors to buy a piece of property together and then get proud of the profit. So anyway, the, what defines the people we spoke with that they, the vast majority of them are accredited investors and have positions, investment positions in these more complex products. So that's what defines our segment, right? People that have more complex portfolios. If I have to put it in, in an investable asset or net worth bracket, it's probably people between 1 million to 15, 20 million net worth or investable assets. And we are looking to serve consumers directly. So people like us. And what we do for people like us is we serve, and not many, not, not everyone knows exactly what this means, so we have to dive into it for a second or you can push me in any direction you think we should go, but we're trying to build a type of virtual family office. So if I had a family office and a family office in the US, usually if you have 50 million, 100 million up, you're gonna have a team that helps you manage your money and also helps you find good deals and deploy money in, in, into investment products. Like th those are the two main functions that a family office has. But if, you, if you're not that big, you still have money, but you're not big enough. You're not going to have a family office because it won't make financial sense. And so you don't have that place where you can throw in all your financial documents. You'll get an email from, a, from an investment that you have and you forward it to Visor, your family office. You link in your bank accounts to Visor and then Visor will automatically monitor your bank accounts, your transactions and link specific transactions to specific assets to update the performance of those assets automatically, like a family office would do to, for me, if I was an ultra high net worth individual, they'd go into all my bank accounts and look for stuff and match stuff and set things up for me and do all the heavy lifting that I would have to do. So that's sort of like how we started, where we're at, and sort of what the main core business of, of what Visor is. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's, that's really interesting that you touch on that. Um, you know, I have a broad understanding of what a family office is, right? 
but I don't entirely know the details of what a family office does, right? And so it's interesting that you would describe Pfizer as sort of a virtual family office in that it's analyzing, uh, you know, how your stocks maybe are performing or how your savings are doing. And I, I guess I'm wondering if you could elaborate a little bit more on that, like that that's kind of what a family office is is there for, right? It is they don't just manage it. I mean, they're they're actively managing it, correct? Well, it depends. It's sort of ambiguous. Like there are different le- levels of family offices, but at the highest level, there's like the highest, like if, not the highest level, of like the best family office, but the high level approach is that it doesn't even have to actively have discretion on all my investments, just like monitoring everything for me and helping me decide where to deploy the best products, help me do due diligence on new investment products. And again, the stock markets, like my stocks and bonds are the least interest for people like us, uh, usually it's more the alternative stuff. Because you I mean any website today, any budgeting app, there are like 1,500 budgeting apps in the US, you can link in your Fidelity, your Robinhood, your TD Ameritrade, all of them, and you're going to get an amazing breakdown of your stocks, bonds, your like everything. It'll monitor stuff for you, for you. But once you start to segue into private markets, real estate, real estate syndications, private equity, funds, startups, crypto, it's like you're, you're left on your own because these products are not built to monitor, track, project that type of stuff. We're more focused on that part of the market that has those types of investments where a family office would come and help them. I mean, these people might even pay a bookkeeper or someone to manage it, help manage it for them, right? Not the professional side of it, just like the admin side of it. And, and because we're focused on these private markets, we're sort of not just giving that overview of what you have, what you had in the past and what you'll have in the future and analyzing your documents and updating them, updating assets based on documents and, and all that type of stuff. We're also planning to show you what people like you are investing in. So based on this, like this pool of information that people can opt in or out of, we can then show you where people are investing in the private markets, which funds are the best funds, which are the worst funds, where like share, share like information between users within a platform around these private markets, because it's really hard to find out good investments in the private markets. It's all word of mouth. So these private markets, and I imagine that there are thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands worldwide, let's say. How compatible, how, how compatible are they with Visor? And that's kind of one of my, my questions I had with, with another company we, we spoke about earlier was what are the markets then that they can just upload onto Visor? I mean, um, you know, how many different accounts can Visor take on, you know, or can they recognize if you could talk a little bit about that? So first of all, Visor can, can manage endless accounts. It depends how they're integrated into the platform. And I'm assuming that's what you're focused on, right? So I'll give you an example just to, to put things into context of what sort of an average line item within someone's portfolio would be in these private markets, all right? So for example, I'll find a guy that I trust, all right? Let's say you decide to build a real estate syndication and you go and you you find me and a bunch of like 10, 15, 20 other guys or, or women and say, all right, I found this cool multifamily complex in Phoenix, Arizona, and I need to raise 2 million bucks from investors in order to buy this, I'm going to manage it. I'm going to do everything, but I need your capital in order to go and purchase this property and then get financing from the bank. Fair enough. So you're going to come to people like me, the 15, 20 people of, of investors and say, all right, the minimum ticket is $50,000. And who wants to come in that you're going to get every year, you're going to get cash flow from this that I'm going to distribute, usually around 8% of whatever you invest. And after five, six years, after, I re- after you renovate the whole complex, you're going to exit it and we're all going to get a share of the profits. 
but you're going to do all the work and we're just going to sit down and do nothing and give you the money. You're going to get a cut, a bigger cut of the profits than we are. And that's fine. All right. That's like a common type of deal that people like me invest in. And so imagine I do one of those. It's really easy to remember. All right. I invested with you. I put 50,000 in. I get an email from you every quarter saying, this is the distribution. I remember it because it's only one. I have 15 of these with different people that do these types of deals. I'm going to get an email. I'm not going to remember how much I invested, when I invested, what are the terms, what am I supposed to get? Even if I do get remember what the terms were, two weeks later, I'm going to get a distribution to my bank account and I have to revisit, all right, wait, wait, what is this? What's this money that I just got? I don't remember. And so that cycle is sort of, the the initial pain point we're trying to solve in addition to everything else in the finances. Now, there are ways to sort of pull in that data automatically because if you raised funds from people like me, you're going to have a platform, a website that I'll have to log into and see my position with you. And like you, there are going to be 15 others that have different websites and I, and I need to log into each of them. And so Visor has a few options, either build integrations to each of those websites so that I just put in my username, password, and then pull all the data in. We're working on that. We don't have that set up yet. Or I'll just get an email from you and forward it to Visor or put Visor on a CC to that email so that every time you send me an update, Visor also gets an update. And I'll link in my bank accounts to Visor. And then every time you do, you send out a distribution, Visor will monitor that and automatically link it to my account. I have to do almost nothing ongoing to maintain my portfolio, even in the private market. So, and that's even without integrating with platforms like yours. Now that might sound a little complex. I hope that was clear enough, but that's where like the initial aspect of sort of hacking those integrations with, that we don't have yet. I and mean, we have integrations like 16, 17,000 bank accounts, financial institutions and all that type of stuff. But that's not in the private markets as much as it is in the public ones. And we're, we're starting to build integrations also to those platforms. Correct me if I'm wrong here again, I just ironing it out because I, I find it really, you know, interesting, you know, like how, how can you get, there's so much information out there, right? And there's so many different spaces that people invest in that, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, and, and, and also how, how broad is the alternative asset space? You know, we're, we're talking about, like you mentioned, real estate, but you could be talking also about art or certain collectibles, you know, high price collectibles. So I guess my question in the saying, and, and you answered it before, and I just kind of want to confirm it is someone can send Visor an email and then their account will be updated for them in that sense. Either an asset created or, or a current asset they have on the platform is updated. Yeah, hundred percent. And you're right. There, there, there are endless types of investment products out there. But the, the cool thing is, there are only two metrics that matter. There's the value of your position, your account, your investment, and cash flow to or from it. That's all that really matters to me as a retail investor. If if I was a family office or a, or, a, or a CPA, probably other aspects would matter. But for me, wanting to understand my position, cash flow, that's all I care about, right? So even if I have a baseball card, all I care about, all right, what's the current value of that baseball card? If I invest in a fund and there's a commitment for me to invest in that fund over the next two years, $50,000 every quarter, I need to remember that happens and I want to project it on my cash flow so that I'm, I'm ready for it when it comes out. So there are different aspects of anyone's investment life, but there are only really two that really matter, which is NAV, which is net asset value of each investment, and cash flow to or from it. 
and, and kind of touching upon that, you know, I found that interesting and I'm, I'm just kind of uh, looking at it. You mentioned before, Visor can send insights to the users. It can also kind of give you an idea of what other people are maybe investing in. And so you've, you've, you've kind of marketed Visor, uh, you know, as, as having this information that's crowdsourced and also AI-driven data. You've touched on it, I think, by talking about that. Uh, but I'm wondering if you could go a little a little deeper into that. Like, how is that crowdsource uh, used? You know, how is how is that AI uh, data used for the benefit of the consumer? Right. So the the AI or the automations that we do are around a lot of aspects of the product and the service that we that we give. So, for example, analyzing the documents that people submit to us, it's a combination of automation and machine learning and, and AI together with humans actually go over the documents and input it like a white glove service for people. And so there's a combination of that. The second aspect is sort of because when you link in your bank accounts and we automatically analyze all the transactions that appear in those bank accounts, there's an algorithm that sort of learns on its own to improve in its suggestions to match transactions to specific investments or or liabilities, right? So that you'll get a, a distribution or, or, or there's an expense and we'll raise a flag saying, hey, this is relevant to that asset or relevant to that liability. So that's sort of like the, the initial aspects of the automations and, and the artificial intelligence of it. The second aspect, which is the benchmarking, is because, because sort of we, are, we only give value uh, service to the investors themselves. And because we do that, we have the ability to also show them without any conflict of interest which investment products people are investing in. So for example, in the US alone, there are 50,000 funds, general partners, private equity firms that invest in real estate and stuff like that. 50,000 in the US. These are funds that have like 10 investors up to 1,000 investors in plus, right? And so imagine if people, if customers are in Visor and they're invested in a bunch of these investments, these funds, and then there are thousands of, of users within Visor, there's overlap around those funds. And then I'll show, we show people who opt into it, obviously, it's totally anonymous and 100% secure, but like if they opt into sharing their information anonymously with others within the platform, they'll see anonymous data of like, in real estate, for example, which funds are people investing in? And how many people within Visor have invested in each of those funds? And in which specific investments through those funds have they invested? And then enable people to communicate between each other based on those investments to create very high level of transparency, which is totally non-existent in the private markets today. And what that is creating, which is really cool, we did not plan on this, is that we have these funds reach out to us because they hear that we're advisors where we're gonna list this stuff, basically ranking them, and they want all their investors now to use Visor so that when we launch this benchmarking aspect of it, they're already gonna have a track record that was not pushed by them, but by their investors. And it just creates a whole new level of, of community and transparency of data that is totally non-existent in the private markets. And I imagine that the Visor platform gets better data and stronger data as more people join the platform. 100%. There's so many things that we, so much value we can bring to customers using Visor. That's just a, like the, the, the tip of the iceberg, right? Imagine, because the alternative markets, the private markets are totally illiquid, right? And so you you can't sell your positions. But what if you see all your information, Visor has all the, the backlog of that data, sort of the underwriting of it, and we can create a whole market within Visor 
without any conflict of interest, but people can then liquidate their positions within Visor to other people within Visor. And there's just so many other aspects we can do. And again, we want to stay true always to the consumers and never sell their data, never try to sell them more stuff. And the business model is just a flat membership fee. So that's sort of like where we're going with this. Letan, I have two more questions for you. One, the last one's kind of general, uh, but we did we did speak about it. And this is something that I want to bring up because of our audience. We had spoken about another kind of similar company, Alt Exchange, which we had as guests on our podcast. We talked a little bit about it. I'm I'm kind of wondering if you could uh, tell me how you compare to that. You know, if there's if there's any any difference there between the two products. You know, and then kind of where you are at right now uh, between the two. Right. Well, first of all, like I I know the founder Zach. He's a, he's a great guy, and they've built a, a really really good product. Uh, they've sort of pivoted towards B two B more offering services to advisors. If I if I remember correctly. One of the things that sort of we, we do differently is, is that we offer that service aspect of like a virtual family office type service where you just throw any document, any email, and we analyze it for you. And then we also really focus on cash flow and tracking transactions and linking them. But not just that, also projections of like, all right, imagine you have all these investments and all these investments have assumptions from a cash flow standpoint, meaning cash is supposed to come in and cash is supposed to go out. And we sort of pull all that into one place on a graph and project your cash flow for the next years moving forward so you can make decisions. Because one of the things that a lot of our audience has is they might be wealthy, but many times they're cash poor because they forget they have commitments, right? They're going to get a phone call from a fund say, hey, all right, what about the 200000 you have to transfer? Time's up, transferred over. And they're like, wait, holy shit, where did I get this money from? I don't even have it on hand. And because they forgot. And so we were sort of are that place where we have everything in one place, have that one source of truth. And so, and the benchmarking side of it as well, we do not have any arrangements with any of the funds. And again, I don't want to do any injustice here, but if I remember correctly, they, in order to integrate with some of the platforms, they had to go and make agreements with these funds so that they can pull in data. And so then once you do that, you know, you're obliged to sort of listen, hear out these funds because they just gave you service. Whereas I never have a conflict of interest with these funds because I don't owe them anything. All I care about is for the investors' interests, showing them who are the good funds, who are the bad ones, regardless of any types of partnerships with them. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. You know, just, uh, you know, we have diff- we have uh, a lot of times overlap in the industry and uh, it's just good to hear, you know, different, what, what different companies do differently from others. W- what's next? What's on the horizon for Visor in terms of like developing the, the site, developing uh, your team? What do you see kind of in the next uh, six months to a year, uh, especially given, I guess, if, if it has had an impact at all on, you know, the, the fears of an official recession? I don't think anyone has officially declared a recession yet, but uh, I think that the, the majority of the world is, is, is uh, open to the idea that it's already here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we're going to really uncharted waters and it's, it is as any startup in our industry and in any financial uh, service company or overall generally like we're going into really uncertain times and it is a little scary where we're going to and I think sort of the mar- so if I look at visor on its own so we're we're in a really good situation we have enough money to get through this we have a, an amazing team and we're building out our product to sort of answer the needs in the market we're already sort of we're charging like I said we're charging f- for this product for the service which is helping us build it out even more and giving high levels of service. And just like from the roadmap perspective, what you asked. So the benchmarking is something we want to roll out by the end of this quarter. Next quarter, we want to start dealing with taxes, insurance, more like projections and financial planning aspects 
of the product. We also want to be able to build the access management to the platform because I want to be able to give my CPA access to Visor, other family members access to Visor, maybe share with my friends and get their input on my portfolio. There's a lot of things we want to do with it so that we give more value to the investors themselves. Um, but sort of like next year is going to be a very interesting year. And also for our customers, like you, you look at the, the investment product field and even real estate, private equity over the last few years is going to totally change over the next few years because interest rates in my mind and people at the moment are, lo- are sitting on a lot of cash and looking for opportunities. And so scary times, but you know, when you always say, if you go into a recession with a mindset of not a fear, but as into like mindset of opportunity, I think many people are going to get extremely rich from sort of identifying opportunities and investing in right places. Yeah. And I think that's something that, uh, across the board, you know, uh, through all, all parts of the alternative space is, is kind of what people are, are saying is if you can identify opportunities now, you can really set yourself up really well for the next wave. Right. Latan, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Great learning about Visor. Seems like you have a really cool product can help a lot of people, you know, just kind of manage the wealth that they have. Not a, not a bad problem to have, but uh, something that definitely is, is a need. So uh, thank you so much for coming on and uh, want to leave it open to you if there's anything else. I mean, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. And I love what you guys are doing at Allison Cohen. So keep it up and, and we'll be in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much. Visor's innovation of providing insightful feedback to its users from crowdsource data is a distinct feature. It's also a testament to the company that, as Latan states, private equity funds are reaching out to Visor so that they can be included in the AI's recommendations. A big thanks to Latan for coming on the podcast and sharing his journey as an entrepreneur and the latest developments occurring at Visor. And as always, a big thanks to you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review or follow us on the streaming platform of your choice. Until the next time, take care.